welcome to Cinema Cemetery, where we lay to rest the best of the best. The best pictures, that is. Today we pick up in 1932 with the best picture, La Grande Hotel. Yeah, the the Grand Hotel. Grand Hotel. For those of us listening. Yes. Um, So, Kate, what did you think of the Grand Hotel? Okay, critics of the time. Let's talk about what they had to say. So Rushford Greeson of Variety said, quote, The film may not entirely please the theater goers who are fascinated by its deft stage direction and restrained acting, but it will attract and hold the wider public to which it is now addressed. Which is code for, this isn't an exceptionally good movie, but it'll please the masses. So here we are. This movie was a departure from what we've seen. Because think about it. We had Wings, big war movie. All Mm -hmm. Quiet, big war movie. Broadway Mm -hmm. Melody, big Broadway show. uh, Cimarron, epic show over 40 years. Sure. Grand Hotel. It's quieter. What, two days, three days? It's 24 hours. 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. One day. One day. One hotel. Almost all at night. Because that's where most of the it's time nighttime. is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Shift in scale. So, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about just some of the plot? And we'll go back and forth. So, I mean, the plot in general isn't really... There isn't a plot. It's more of a character study. You have your... your uh, I wouldn't say that. We've got actually four plots running at the same time, right? I I mean, I guess if you're looking at plots... I, I Okay, yes. Okay, so you have the Baron and the Ballerina. And you have the stenographer you got the the who's the guy that steals things oh i'm very bad why did you give me the plot to do this was a well, horrible I'll take it. choice the show actually Dan, begins the plot. with four phone conversations happening at the same time we have the baron and he's on the phone and he indicates that he needs money we've got mr otto kringeline i blacked out he's on the phone he indicates he's just found out he's gonna die and he's got his, basically his life savings and he's gonna spend it and live well You've got the servant on the phone. She's talking about the ballerina and how she's depressed. And then you got director pricing. He's got to get this deal through or else he's bankrupt. Ah, uh, yes. You know, if I'm being completely honest, confused pricing and the Baron for a decent chunk of time. I uh, keep transposing them. Very different characters. Yeah, pricing's very commanding. So we got these four different storylines, and then in there we have a few other characters that we haven't mentioned yet. You mentioned the stenographer. She's heavily in- influenced in uh, three of the, the, the storylines. Yeah, I don't. I think she's just a device, if we're being super honest. She, she, like, she makes the plot move, but there isn't really a lot going on with her. Does that make sense? Mm, I think I disagree with you, but... Uh, Fair enough. Well, uh... We'll, we'll come back to that one. All right. So I don't know. It, it would be tough to kind of go through the whole plot on this one just because there's these different threads. I think we have to look at them one at a time. All right. Yes, I agree with you. Well, if I'm being honest, the whole... I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to this movie. I guess we really can't talk about the plot. It didn't really grab me. One of the other things, the one of the other variety quotes says that it it holds your attention for that whole two hour time. It didn't hold my attention. And I was very awake. I don't know. I was very tired and I kind of liked it. (laughs) 
it did it did keep me awake. So I think we have to look at these characters because this and and we'll talk about this a little more later. This was very much a studio production. MGM they pulled out all their stars. We had Joan Crawford, Greta Garbo, the Barrymore brothers, both and of them, a couple other people that we don't really know of today, but uh, everybody in there. So this is definitely designed to be an ensemble piece, and mm-hmm. and there are definitely some characters that are more sympathetic than others but there's no clear hero there's no clear villain and and they all simply kind of flow in and out of each other's i mean there's no clear i don't know i would i would argue that the mr pricing he definitely is in no way a sympathetic character at any point i i disagree with that as well how are you he's he's like the head of a major corporation and all he cares about is money and then ends up like killing a dude at the end yeah but you and feel... tries to frame somebody else for it yeah i mean you feel bad for him why? Anyway, let's start at the beginning. Let's let's uh, let's start with um, Otto Kringlein because you mentioned before he's we started. He's my favorite. He was your favorite. Now he's, this, he's played by Lionel Barrymore. Yes. Yeah, that's Lionel. Most famous for his role as Mr. Potter in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, you really looking at me like ah, I don't think that's him. And I said it, it's him. Well, we couldn't figure out which Barrymore it was which. So tell it's us a little true. bit about his uh, his character. So we meet Kringlein and we find out really early on he's dying. Um, and so he has decided to take out all of his money and just live the high life for as long as he can until he dies. So he has himself this real nice room. He, he gets himself the nicest room in the grand hotel so that he can spend all his money and live in splendor. So that's kind of, that's the basis. So he's living as though he might die tomorrow because he might. And in general, we're meant to be sympathetic with him, but he's weird, right? He's clearly crazy. Oh, he's, he's lost not, it. Yeah, he doesn't have every marble. No, he's he's declaring and crying at all times. He's eating caviar and champagne. He's processing his impending death. He goes on this rant against Pricing, who we later find out is his old boss. Well, yeah, if you were going to die, wouldn't you tell off your old boss, too? I don't know. I might have other things to do. But his paths intertwine with a number of the other characters. He meets uh, the Baron, who is played by, of course, his brother. I know, John Barrymore. Who, wait, sorry. John Barrymore's future grandson-in-law is Tom Green, the guy who sang the Swedish song. Yeah, I don't know what that means. You've been saying that for a week. It's like you don't care about early 2000s slash 90s culture. Exactly. Anyway, continue. So he meets the Baron, and the Baron kind of takes him under his wing and decides he's going to show him the high life. He tells him to get some good clothes. He, he uh, takes him to the bar with them. He encourages him to gamble. Um, not necessarily that the Baron is on, on the up and up, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, and then later, he meets up with um, Flemshen, the stenographer, towards, towards the end. They, what a name, Flem. They, they actually end the story together. Uh, our next person I think we have to look at is probably, I think, the worst character. The whole movie. The old man. Greta Garbo. Oh, the ballerina. The ballerina. She's right. not great. No. We, the story begins and her maid is on the phone and you think she's going to be like a quarter of the film. She doesn't do very much. She's moping around in her room. She doesn't want to go on because the audiences have been low. She's starting to get depressed. She's clearly having a panic attack. I mean, okay. So like, I wouldn't say she does nothing. She definitely is dramatic as a ballerina would be um but also she i would argue she she gets the baron to to turn away from his life of crime no that doesn't happen either 
Okay, well, I tried. So she finds that the Baron has broken into her room to steal her jewelry because the Baron, as we'll talk about in a bit, is in some trouble. He needs some money. The Baron is caught. He admits his crime, and then they... But then they fall in love. They do like, fall in love. He, and- he, oh, he, he comes clean. He tells her everything. So he's turning away from his life of crime for honesty. Sure, and they are going to go off together to the next stop. But they are before gonna do that. that can happen... Baron has to go steal some more stuff. So he says, I'll see you later. Gotta go do some more stealing. And he leaves. Did he tell her he was going to do more stealing? He doesn't tell her about the stealing. And uh, ultimately is not able to meet her because of the extra stealing. Right. But the stealing was because he wanted to get enough money so that he could run away with her because he he had some debts. And don't we all? Because of the stealing. Okay, so maybe the stealing did ultimately lead to his demise. I understand. But it was in the honor of his love of this ballerina. But regardless, the ballerina clearly, to me, seemed like she was shoehorned in there just to get Greta Garbo in the movie. Yeah, and so why do you think they uh, were so so thirsty putting all these stars in? Were they were they aiming for something here at Metro Golden Mare? Well, yeah. What Best picture. They? Oh, they did it. They got it. That's why yeah. we're talking about it now. Hmm. All right, so let's so move along then to probably the least sympathetic character, but not an unsympathetic character. We've got director pricing, and we learn in the first few minutes he's got this big deal that he's got to put through. I'm sorry, what is sympathetic about this man? Oh, he, he admits in the first conversation that if he doesn't put this deal through, he'll be bankrupt. Uh, he talks about that he's married. He talks that he has a family, and presumably they'll be out in the cold. Um, and they, and, and he is continually uh, unable to get anything done he he finds out in maybe the first act of the movie that this other deal the manchester deal has fallen through this is going to make it more difficult for this big deal he needs to put through now that's not to say he's by any means a good character and definitely does some bad things but you feel for him at the beginning he's he's super frustrated everything kind of is going against him and that's when he starts to make some poor decisions i mean i i don't know i can't really draw a lot of empathy for that guy because one of the reasons why kringle Kringleine? The one of the reasons why he jumps out at him is because this guy was such a horrible boss and company owner that he made his employees' lives miserable. And this guy, on his like way to death, one of his things is to like tell his boss off. So like that shows you how bad this guy was. So like, well, and I, also, I'm not I think- sure the the story of a disgruntled employee is the best way to judge oh, an Dan. employer. Oh, Dan. This is a different conversation we're having. Now, I will say, obviously, he lies about the Manchester deal. He claims it went through, uses that information to push through the other deal, and now he has to go back and make the Manchester deal happen to make the second deal occur. So he he lies in order to get what he wants. Mm -hmm. Then he plans to take this trip to England. That's when he tells his stenographer, hey, I'm going to give you an all-expense-paid trip to England and give you a thousand marks because this oh we didn't mention this is a very german movie right well sort of i mean no one speaks german nobody has an accent but everyone has german names and it takes place in germany and it was a german novel so so flem is going to come with him she's going to get that thousand marks go on the trip and he says maybe you'll stop by and give me some good dictation inappropriate sex joke right yeah i was doing some research apparently this was uh pre-code hollywood Uh, so they could say things like that and not get in trouble and heavy implications in this movie apparently 1934 is when they started to really clamp down that's why we've been seeing some surprising stuff so far 
mm. in all of these films. Yeah, I would say I definitely got a creepy vibe when he would be interacting with Flemshin because it was like very clear that he wanted her to to take some dictation and then some But it was, dictation. let's move right into her character then. She shows up, she's a poor girl, she's here as the stenographer. She flirts briefly with the Baron. He later rejects her because he has found this ballerina oh instead. yeah that was such a bizarre storyline they like meet in the hallway and plan a date for the next night because she's like oh i'm working tonight but i can see you tomorrow and within like what 15 minutes he has f- now fallen in love with the ballerina and is bailing on his date that he made yeah, you know which is fair it's the plot of frozen right the girl falls in love with two guys real quick i but- guess but the if pro- you want to compare that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it's interesting, you know, after that happens, she immediately decides, I am going to go along with this creepy boss, and she's all in on it. She knows exactly what he's asking for, and she's she's fine with she's that. She's cool with she's it, made, yeah. In fact, the characters make that reservation. She shows up to Pricing's room towards the end of the movie, and the Baron goes, are you staying here? And she goes, yes, at least for tonight. And, and she's, she's uh, resigned herself to this... Uh, high-class prostitution basically has she resigned herself or is she just like making this choice get into the next thing no i don't think that was a thing back then i think uh she she clearly looks like she's resigning herself to it oh okay i feel like that's always been a but then let's talk about the baron because we've been talking about him off and on but what's his what's his deal i like the baron i know i shouldn't he's a high-class thief so who doesn't like a high-class thief um, he, so really the Baron storyline, he's, he's kind of hanging out. He's helping Gringoline and, you know, beefing him up and talking him up and he meets Flemshin and makes that day with her. But really things get interesting when he decides to jump from one balcony to the other so he can break into the ballerina's room and steal the pearls. Is it the pearls? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, see, I was awake. Um, so he's stealing the pearls. He gets caught and instantly within 30 seconds he's confessing that he's stealing the pearls because they have started chit-chatting and they realize they're in love with each other and they talk the whole night through and so from there they decide she invites him to come with her and they're gonna go on this epic vacation together because they're in love and she's gonna take some time off ballerina work and everything's cool and he's like but i have to settle a debt and I have to get this money, but don't worry, I'm going to get the money in the next seven hours. And so decides to go to a poker game, loses horribly. Well, this is where it gets interesting because he befriends Kringleine, who we think it's a, it's a positive gesture, but really he's trying to be a gambling shark here, right? He's well, going to yeah. take Kringleine for all his money. It fails. Kringleine wins all the money. Kringleine was so good at gambling. But then Kringleine is drunk. And so what happens? He's lost his wallet. The Baron has it. He's taken it. But then he gives it back. He has this so moment. Nice. You know, he can't do it. Because they're brothers. Yeah, yeah. Brothers can't steal money. And he knows where he lives. That's true. Same house. Yeah. But not in the movie. And that's when he decides, you know, he, he realizes the situation that's going on with the stenographer. He knows where he's going to get the money. He's going to steal it from pricing. He's heard about how bad he was. He decides that's a worthy target. He breaks into his room. Pricing catches him, hits him in the head with the receiver of the phone. The Baron is dead. Yeah, it's not great. And so then Pricing is like, no problem. I just killed this man. No big deal. We will say, doesn't he try to blame it on Flemshin? No, he tries to say that she wasn't even there. He was in, uh, she was in Kringleine's room. So who, who did he try to blame it on? I no. thought he tried to blame it on someone. No, I don't think he tries. Well, he tries to pretend he wasn't even there 
That's what it was. He tried to get out of it. It all happens very quick. And eventually he admits, yes, this guy was trying to steal from me. And then he is a few minutes later arrested. And Kringlein takes Flemshin and is like, I'll help you, lady, because you cannot help yourself. Yeah. And so the movie, it seems to... And, and it, But that's the interesting thing. Aside from Pricing getting arrested, it, it seems to end unsatisfyingly. That, uh, well, Flemshin and Kringlein like run off together and... She's cool with whoever she's attached to as long as they're paying. Like, that's what I mean. To what end? She she goes off with someone that she doesn't love or care for at all. She's going or with even him out know. of sympathy. He is still going to die very soon. The Maybe. Baron, who was perhaps the one character that was trying to make a redemption arc, has been killed. And the ballerina is still delusional. She's waiting for him on the train. She's lied to the whole way out of the hotel. He's going to meet her. She believes just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But that's going to end. Every character is going to end badly eventually. Yeah, I would agree. But to me, none of that was the point of the movie. Okay. Oh, okay. What was the point? To me, I think the theme of the movie is given to you at the very beginning and the very end. And it's actually illustrated by the final five-minute sequence that happens I after... Mean- the Baron's body is taken out after his dog is literally hit with a broom and swept out of the hotel. Okay. Okay. So at the end of the movie, after all of this has happened, uh, a new family comes up there. They, they've had some good luck. They've been traveling. They go in, they get their room in the hotel at the same time. The clerk who hasn't been there all night, he shows up. He's been at the hospital all night. He's going to have uh, a son being born soon. And he gets the news on the phone that yes, his wife has had a baby. And suddenly we switch over to the doctor who we saw at the beginning. The doctor lives at the hotel. He constantly is asking, has anyone sent him a message? The answer is no. And what's his line? Oh. He says, grand hotel, people coming, people going. Nothing ever happens. And that's why I hated this movie. And I think, I think that's kind of why I liked the movie because the movie was in, in, in a way... It had all these six characters. They don't quite form a cohesive story because the story is part of the bigger story of the hotel. Uh, The story is incomplete also because life, in a way, doesn't play itself out in this perfect narrative. And their story is so fleeting. We, We get all caught up in this for this two hours that we're watching the movie. But really, to the hotel, it was just one night. And at the end, everybody's gone that we watched. They're not in the hotel anymore. We've got this whole new wave coming in, and we're meant to assume the next day the same thing's going to happen. People will leave, people will come, and guess who's still going to be there? The doctor. The doctor. From his perspective, nothing ever happens. And here's what I'm saying. One, I'm a smart viewer. There are others like me. I don't like being hit over the head with symbolism and the point of the story because I, I, I could gather that. Two... I think this could have been done in a more compelling way. I did not get wrapped up in all their stories like you did. Like I it was very hard for me to care or have like I had very little connection to any of the characters with the exception of Kringlein, who was adorable. But like I just didn't I didn't feel that. And I understand everything that you said and I get it. And that's why it makes it great. I just felt like it could be told in a more compelling fashion i don't think it was a great movie and i don't think (laughs) i want to watch it again i'm I'm, but i do understand why in 1932 a movie like this would have won best picture this was very much a blockbuster film the studio had 
and if anyone's unfamiliar, the, the basic system was the, the actors would be under contract to a specific studio for either a specific number of pictures or a specific number of years, uh, whereas today they all have their own agents and they can sort of pick and choose their projects. Uh, and it looks like for this one, they, they simply got out the catalog, they put the actors in the movie, uh, they packed it with their stars, uh, and they got it done. So I think it succeeded in making that many personalities and stars all sort of equal, uh, without having a, a lead character and backgrounds. Uh, and, and it told a story that wasn't quite so obvious. We've had a lot of hero-villain stories uh, so far. And war movies. And this war, wasn't yeah, a war movie. This was, this was something completely different. So I think it broke that mold and was able to tell as compelling a story as it could in, in that space. You know, it, this was more like watching a play than than a movie. I agree. And that might have been why it felt kind of like disconnected and a little slow at times and was incredibly... Uh, symbolic and metaphorical as plays sometimes are. I was looking at the nominees that were of the same year. None of them stood out to me. Did any of them stand out to you like as ones you had heard of before? No, and, and it's not really until the end of the 30s that I even start to recognize any of these films beyond the winners. Okay. Yeah. So our amateur status continues. Yeah. But I would have to say, uh, even though I liked it, I wouldn't watch it again, and if I have to compare this to what the other movies we're going to be seeing, I don't know if I can rate it all that high. We had, um, so far we've had movies in the single digits, the 20s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 90s. Uh, I, I'm probably going to have to put this at 65, uh, more or less, I think. 65? Yeah, I think I, I would say it was it was interesting, it was it was an interesting concept, but there's going to be a lot of stuff above it. Uh, and I also know there's a handful of, of real duds that are coming after. I don't know. I almost want to put it in the seven, like the lower 70s. Lower 70s. So we got 65 and we got... Like a 70. Could we put it at 70? Did we already have we one already at 70? We already did a 70, but we can do 71. Okay. Let's see. What was it, what was at 70? We said wings. So is this yeah. better or worse than wings? Um. Oh. I think it's... Well, wings I want to we say give. it's worse because wings was working without voice. That's true. Wings was a whole different thing. And yeah, wait, and Wings had shots. all those like technicalities with the planes in the air. Yeah. Well, that's fair. We can put it down there. So that's Grand Hotel. Any other comments on this uh, 1932 film? I feel like I'm not bringing my A game here. And I think I lied when I said I was awake. I was, I was partially napping with, with two dogs while I was watching this. And that's my fault. The dogs have been mentioned in this podcast a lot. Sorry. I think every episode, but it's good. They can be the mascot. They're all here now. Yeah. I mean, they're here right now. One is. Was, and I noticed, too, I was thinking about this. This is the first movie I've noticed the Great Depression get mentioned. It didn't come up in the Broadway melody. It wasn't mentioned. Well, just the pricing's deal falling through, and they, they make some reference to the economy not being great at the time, and, and you start to see just a few of the things in the background. Um, yeah. No, we don't. We don't quite see. We see a little bit more of this when we get to it happened one night. But uh, it was just the first little sign. Hmm. I noticed there of uh, reality kind of breaking through. Well, yeah, they didn't want to talk about it a whole lot. No repression. No, and and they lived in Hollywood, right? Oh care. yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to bring it up. Yeah. Well, next up on Freezing Cold Takes, we're Ooh. moving ahead to 1933, which is an exciting year for me because it is the only other best picture film I have never seen. Cavalcade. Cav Cavalcade hey. wasn't available, so I'm curious to see what what's, this one looks what's like. What's it about? I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out hey. next time on episode seven. So we'll see you then.
I'll go my own way.